cheers to another episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. I'm your guide, AJ Weinzettel, on this journey of stories showcasing the people behind the wonderful world of wine, where we dive into conversations ranging from terroir, viticulture, to favorite music, superpowers, and more. Please enjoy this episode of the Wine Notes Podcast. Kate, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, I remember earlier this year when I interviewed your husband, Hans, you know, it was also raining that day, but holy cow, uh, the road to get up here and if it keeps raining like this. Yeah. Yeah. We're not getting out this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you know, this may not be a bad spot to get stuck at. There are worse places. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, to start off, shall I pour us a little bit of a blind wine? Sure. Okay. Um, I know I already told you this, but, you know, uh, feel free to, you know, talk about whatever you want to about it. Uh, if you just want to say it's yummy or gross or it smells wonderful, you know, it's totally up to you. Uh, and then at the end, I will reveal what it is. And hopefully I did pretty good creating some sort of connection. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right. Just got some really nice floral aromas. And just like a little layer of like a nuttiness in there. Yeah. I, um, so I poured this, I don't know, a couple hours ago <laughs> and you know, I, it's difficult for me to, to taste a wine at 7am in the morning. So breakfast I, breakfast uh, of champions, breakfast of champions, right. It doesn't, and it doesn't set a good example for my 15 year old daughter. So <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. I could be wrong, but it seems like there's just this like really nice layer of like some very delicate oak in there. Um, it's providing a lot of sweetness and weight, but uh, not hindering the fruit pro profile. Okay. Yeah, very cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, last month we got to catch up, you know, very, very briefly at, at Salude. Yes. Um, it's nice to actually like get out and do more events and everything, you know, considering the last couple of years we haven't been able to. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very wild summer and fall here well, now I, that we're finally back at it. I can I can only imagine. <laughs> you were at the Charleston Food and Wine earlier this year as well, right? I was. Yeah, yeah. it was my first time ever. It was such an incredible event. Man, the people there are magnificent and um, massive lovers of Oregon Pinot Noir. So it's it, it ceases to amaze me when we go out on the road how many people come up and have these stories of Penarash and Lynn and Ron Penarash and visiting the winery and our wines throughout the years. Um, yeah. It was great. It was it, really fun to be out. It, it is great. I, that is one event that is definitely on my bucket list that I want to get to. Well, we're going back this year. Oh, that'll so be fun. Come join us. All right. I, I will try. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying. I'm like already trying to figure out my, uh, my schedule for 2024. I mean, 2023 to me went by in a blur. Yeah. And here I am, I'm already scheduling out 2024 stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I think I love that things go by quickly, but like, I like to take a breath sometimes too. Yeah. It was, well, it was like we had three years of uh, a lot of slowness and then, man, we just got walloped. Yes. Kicked off in 2023. Yes. That, that <laughs> we did. That we did. Um, going back. Your first harvest in Oregon was with Bethel Heights. You were with Alex Bagotti or Bagotti, Jamie Guzman, Pat Dudley, Don Kowitz, Louise Martinez, Marilyn, 
along with Ben, Mimi, and Ted Castell. Yeah, that's digging back to a lot of names. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure there's so many memories, but like, is there like one or two memories that like vividly speak out to you? You know, just being back in the state of Oregon, it was, I was born and raised up here. And then to finally come back and work at Vintage after I had done some um, vintages in California and abroad. And I, I, I inherently had a love of aromatic whites and Pinot Noir, um, but just working with Ben and the Castile family and everybody there really drove home how much I like getting my hands dirty and in things and all of the very small fermenters and the care and the detail and Ben's clear love of wine and winemaking, but also like looking at it in a very scientific matter as well as the like art form. That was what I fell in love with with this entire business in total. Um, so to be there and be part of that, just it like reinvigorated everything I love about this business and made me want to come back home to Oregon so, so badly. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> and if I'm remembering correctly, I think you told Ted, hey, I want to come back up here into Oregon wine. Oh, yeah. And if you have any openings, let me know. Oh, and you ended up getting a call from him saying, hey, I don't have anything available, but I heard that there's another opening that you might yeah, want Yeah, not with Ted. I mean, I, yeah, I definitely let the Castile family know in general that I would love to come back, but I stayed in contact with Ben um, okay. and was very open about the fact if anything opened up that was worth me coming home to let me know. And I did. I got the call from Ben that said, it's not public knowledge, but Lynn Penarash is looking for right. an assistant. And I said, all right. <laughs> I, yeah, I would say all right, right? as well. <laughs> I mean, holy cow. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, I had interviewed with Petter Ash in 2010 for a harvest position as well. And uh, I got to Ben first. And I'm happy that I did. But how funny in the long run that then I found my home here at Petter Ash. Yeah, no, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, and what I found interesting about your very first interview here at Pinarash. Uh, you know, was, was your mom, you know, <laughs> drove you up here and she's like, I'm just going to stay out here in the car and I'm going to read my book. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Do you remember what book that was she was reading? No, no. I had flown up for a wedding. And so it just made sense for my mom to drive me out for the interview because we were in Portland. I have no idea what she read. <laughs> I'm sure you were nervous as all get out. Uh, everybody was nervous. I was so nervous. And um, you know, I don't know how much of the story you've heard, but you know, we went through the interview with Lynn and Ron. It was wonderful. And then they invited me to lunch, at which point I was like, oh, how am I going to tell my mom? Like, I'm going to go to lunch with these folks. Can you wait longer? Right. And I, I was honest with Lynn and Ron. I said, yeah, that's fantastic. I just need to let my mom know she's in the car. And of course, they they invited her to lunch because they're um, wonderfully nice people. And it was it was it was a great lunch, but I was so nervous. And my mom clearly was so nervous. And afterwards, she got in the car. And I was like, let's go get some bubbles across the street at Argyle. Um, I need to just de decompress a little bit. Right. And I came back into the car and she was just bawling. <laughs> and she's like, I, I ruined the whole thing for you. Oh. <laughs> of course, obviously she didn't. But. Right. She didn't. <laughs> uh, so when, when you actually did get the job and you told your mom, what, I mean, did she was like, oh, thank goodness I didn't mess things up for you. Yeah, or... that's funny. I don't, um, I, I don't, I don't remember that conversation. I, 
you know, I think like everybody was so elated that I was coming back home to Oregon. The much bigger conversation that I remember is texting Hans and right. being like, are you, are we ready to do this? Because he didn't have a job up here. And we were leaving two very secure jobs in Napa Valley. And he was ready to make the move into winemaker. So I was asking a big ask of saying, like, can we uproot and move to Oregon? Right. Uh, but it was game on. And he was ready to do it. Fortunately, Andrew Rich just happened to also need an assistant winemaker. And it yeah. all fell into place. Um and so it's been, yeah, it's been amazing, but I don't, I don't remember my flawless reaction. <laughs> no, that, that, that's okay. And, and it just, you know, uh, getting to know more about Hans, you know, since he, you know, took over at uh, Dusky Goose, he is such an amazing man and he has such a big heart. I mean, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> I mean, the only thing bad about him is he has way too many cookbooks from what I hear. Yeah. 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 That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> But he does all the cooking, so I can't complain. Yeah, no, I, I can only imagine. Um, no, it's um, his. It's like it's it's a lot of fun for us that he took over Dusky Goose because we can collaborate on so much. I mean, right. Lynn has been very generous to the two of us, and given the history of both brands, we spend a lot of time tasting together. Um, you know, those are vineyards that I have a history of working with too. So right. it, it works for us. It does. That, that's <laughs> you know when I. Was doing all the research earlier this year. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" Yes, <laughs> it's it's just a great story, and and I loved it so much. It's a fun one. It is. Oh, you know, taking over for Lynn, right? She's been quoted. You know, to me, I take this as she's very proud of you as being a winemaker. Oh, I'm very comfortable. She understands what our original dream and goal and style was. I think she'll continue to honor that. But I'm also real realistic that she's. She's going to put her own little tweak on it. We all want to do that. Um, those are big shoes to fill. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just, how does that feel? Like, is it, there's got to be some proudness in there. There's got to be some nervousness. There's got to be just a jumble of emotions, yeah, I'm sure. There's certainly all of that. Um, you know, when I, first came up and took over the job it was like enormous right it was just I came up in May entering our blending season which our blending season is just full-on once we start tasting every barrel in the cellar and working on our blends we just don't stop up until harvest and it's a very intensive process so just wrapping my head around that was like one thing and then we just dove into harvest and we're we've got 20 plus vineyards to sample and i'm trying to remember all these blocks and all these vineyards and we're just ripping around the valley and i just my mind is exploding <laughs> i've tried so hard to keep up with lynn right but what she did was she like threw me in the deep end but was always there to like hold my hand and then we had i took over as winemaker in 2018 but she was always still part of the project so she very like delicately slowly stepped away and let me grow on my own and I think that it it worked really well for both of us because it gave me the confidence to say I've got this like right. I know what Lynn's vision is and Ron's vision is I know what we are making as wines but like also we started Chardonnay and we worked with new vineyards that are mine like I started those single vineyard programs 
And then she was also able to slowly step away and say, like, I'm now okay exiting this. Like, I have gifted right. my child over and I can go enjoy retirement. And I've talked to, to several people that are starting to make their adjustments happen, too. And the way that we did it was just so, so special. Um, but, yeah, it, like, I would be lying if I didn't say every day I didn't think, like, oh, I hope I put, like, the best possible wine into a bottle. And that Lynn opens this later and is like, oh, I made the right choice. But also she just planted like an enormous amount of um, confidence in me to take over the project. Yeah. And and after your blending trials, when you first came up, because you wanted to give like a a month's notice to your previous employer. (laughs) uh, After your blending trials, then, you know, y'all just drove around the valley to all the different vineyards. Spent so much time in a car together, traveling vineyards. And, you know, the the bond between the two of you just grew and grew mm-hmm. during that time. Yeah, yeah. it's like, you know, <laughs> like a lot of, Lynn is a very powerful voice. She's like a very powerful woman. And sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes people are like, she's kind of scary. But it just was not that way. You right. know, like we, we became a bonded unit of a friendship. Yeah, she was totally my boss, like. In for all intents and purposes, but like that's a friendship that then blossomed over you know five plus years, which was great. That is absolutely, absolutely great. Oh, uh, going back in time a little bit, you're doing harvest in Australia, <laughs> and you celebrated your twenty first ver- birthday during harvest in Australia. Not in Australia. Oh, I I'm celebrated sorry. my twenty first birthday at Cake Red Cellars in Napa Valley. Oh my, my gosh. very first vintage. I got my I got my back with <laughs> <laughs> Way back then. Yeah, my very, very, very I started when I was twenty years old. In the middle of harvest I turned twenty one. Wow. Yeah. That's that is a 21st birthday you'll never forget. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was arguably one of the last birthdays I fully celebrated because ever since then, it's just been harvest. <laughs> That's so hard. So hard. Uh, you know, and I get to celebrate with like a new group of people every year. So there's something special about that. That There's something special. Is On that 21st birthday, I mean, what... What do you remember of what oh. you did to celebrate? Uh, yeah, well, we uh, partied. So I was at Cake Red, and we had, I don't know, there was probably over 10 interns there, and we had different nationalities. There's a house on the property there, so we all had a fun dinner and partied too much. And then, um, are you familiar with uh, St. Helena at all? I'm not a whole bunch, no. Place called Anna's Cantina there. That's on the main strip of Saint Helena, and it's kind of like the only bar you could go to in the evening. So we all went there. At at which point, I remember leaving the bar, and then that was about the end of the evening. No, oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> and then I got back up and went to work the next morning. Oh, you yeah, know, those it, days don't happen anymore. They don't happen, you know. And I think that's probably a a, a good thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a very good thing. Yeah, no, it was a it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was like I mean, yeah. 21st birthday in Napa with a bunch of really good wine. Like, yeah, there are worse places to be. I, I can only imagine. <laughs> uh, this past summer, um, you were there. Okta had like their little event out at their farm. Mm-hmm. You were pouring, mm-hmm. and Hans was there as well. Um, 
And we kind of, you know, touched upon, you know, cookbooks a little bit at that topic and a little bit, or at that event and a little bit earlier today. At, at what point, I mean, obviously you've known Hans for quite a while. I'm sure he's accumulated quite a few cookbooks. How many is too many? Oh, God. We, uh, well, they overflow to all avenues of our household. Uh, you know, he's got to have like 70 plus cookbooks. Oh, wow. Which are cool. But, yeah, yeah. um, like how often are you opening up the French laundry cookbook and cooking from that? Cause yeah. like, where are we getting those ingredients from? <laughs> <laughs> to get inspiration. Yeah. But, and that's true. That's totally right, what he right. does. He's like, he, he will just, he'll, he'll literally read a cookbook and start cooking from it for a brief amount of time, but then it inspires, um, right. dishes that we have later. Yeah. And it, it like, I have zero energy to cook now that we have children. So it's I'm difficult. like more than happy that he's feeding all of us very delicious food. That's, that is amazing. <laughs> I don't know how he finds the time. But, but yeah, uh, right. Yeah, me neither. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I like simple foods, but you know, sometimes it is nice to find a good recipe and like, yeah. oh, look at this. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to spend an hour to, uh, you know, get a, a an onion just perfect, yeah. you know, get it all sauteed up. And then I'm going to put it on a grilled cheese. Yeah. And that is something lately that my daughter's like, can we have that again, please? Yeah. yeah, right. And it's like, okay. I mean, it's easy, but holy cow, an hour to saute a freaking <laughs> onion. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um, you briefly mentioned earlier about, uh, you know, starting the Chardonnay program. And I've heard, you know, in the Valley, you know, Lynn is not a fan of Chardonnay. Yeah. And it took a lot to convince her to do, you know, Chardonnay program at Dusky Goose. Mm -hmm. uh, what was that like starting the Chardonnay program, you know, with, with Lynn? It was actually kind of fun. You know, at first, both of us kind of balked at it. Uh, not because like I have a dislike of Chardonnay. It's just we make some really fun whites here and we're so focused on Pinot and we had Syrah. It was like adding another layer to what we're already doing. Right. Um, but like it was it was fun. You know, the Jackson family really wanted us to do it. They wanted us to think about it. And so together we were like, okay, we'll do it, but like on our own terms. Um, which meant that we need to be sourcing similarly to how we do for the Willamette Valley Pinot program, but the Chardonnay is so much smaller. So we have multiple, you know, at, at this point, we're working with three or four different vineyard sites. And as the program grows, we'll continue to expand that. Um, and then they went around and visited and talked to people that we respect. So I spent a lot of time with Ben over the years, right. tasting through barrels with him and his oak program and what he's doing with his Chardonnay. I mean, I have very vague recollections of doing the Chardonnay when I was there. Right. Uh, and obviously that was 13 years ago, so things have changed. Um, so that was, it, it was fun. It was like, let's take this very, very tiny program. We'll kind of play around with things. We'll see what works or what doesn't work. And then I have since evolved that and it's expanded and I've brought in new Coopers and work. I, we started, um, with pungents this year and I brought in a porcelain egg this year. So wow. that would be fun. So, you know, Lynn and I kind of had a vision together and then I have since kind of tried to carve out like more what I want our Chardonnay program to be. Right. Um, 
and because it's in its infancy, like, sure, I probably made a few pick errors along the way and pick things a little riper than I really intended to. So kind of navigating that as we go, you, you, you only get three picks a year. Right. You hope that they're right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You just never know. Yeah. And it, it depends, you know, <clears throat> I had worked with the Dusky Goose Chardonnay and that vineyard just behaves so different than these younger vineyards that I was working with um, for our program and stuff. So it's it it has evolved and it just continues to become more fun for me now that it's getting bigger and bigger. And by bigger, I mean, it's like 700 cases, but it means that we can play. There's more tools to mess around with. I mean, it's kind of the beauty of Chardonnay is that it's really a winemaker's grape and we can craft it into what we want it to be. Yeah, I, uh, I've i heard that a lot. Another term that I've heard is, you know, Chardonnay is just a marathon wine, right? You just got to. Yeah, that's It just keeps accurate. going and growing. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's also, you know, Oregon is really starting to get known for its Chardonnay, which is so. beautiful. Yeah, it really is. I think I had, to a degree, gotten so burned out on Chardonnays out of California that it just didn't. I didn't, like, I didn't, there wasn't anything, like, super enticing about it. I didn't want to do just a barrel fermented Chardonnay right. and call it a day. So, it, Oregon has so many extra characteristics that are fun and reinvigorated life of Chardonnay for me. And now that there's this, you know, sure, having concrete eggs is super, like, in right now, but they have been fun. And adding porcelain was super fun. Right. That You know, <laughs> it, that's... When your job becomes just routine and not fun and not challenging, yeah, it you know it shows through it in the end result. Yeah, it it does. So you got to keep things, you know. But I think that's a, it's such a special part about being here. Is like there's so many single vineyards and different programs that every harvest is like, okay, we have like a ton to tackle. Energy level just rises. Right. And then it's like, it's a go time. Let's make the best wine we can. That is amazing. I And I have to ask, is there any possible sparkling in the... Uh, yeah, everybody would love that. Yes. I, I, no. No. <laughs> no. Well, for like a multitude of reasons, but um, we do so many skews here right, right. right now anyway that I w would like to do those really, really well. And I'm not ready to introduce a new, brand new project. And our our blending and bottling rides a very tight timeline timeline into harvest. So to then start picking two weeks earlier, right? I just don't know how we would like. I mean, we could do it. But I'm sure it, it would be like a lot to manage. It, it is a lot to manage. It's <laughs> a lot of story. It's a lot of yeah. process. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I should never say never. Never. No. But, um, yeah, who knows? Not currently. No. Yeah. And that, that, that's fair. I mean, yeah. I, I totally understand, but you know, I just, I have to ask I know. the question. I love drinking it. Yes. It's just not sure I'm ready to make it. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were on your honeymoon with Hans up in Alaska <laughs> and you ended up having a conversation with the boat mm -hmm. tour guy or a guide. And you know, bring in uh, and this guide ended up bringing all sorts of people to help yeah. with harvest. That was like the most amazing time. Yeah, this girl Grace was um, 
We were rafting down a river, the Kenai. And just kind of, you know, she was getting to know everybody on the boat. There's just us and another family. And she's like, what do you guys do? Like, oh, we're both winemakers. Just holy. <laughs> Interesting. And yeah, we got to talking about harvest and and uh, people coming to help us. And she she kind of was joking, but sort of not. And she was like, I would be interested. And I'm game if you want to come. Like, right. you're a shoe and you clearly work outdoors in the cold in terrible weather check all the boxes you're very physical um yeah we just exchanged information she came and from that i think i had three or four years of some of the most amazing seasonal help i've ever had wow yeah and i've stayed in contact with all and they're just like the most amazing human beings and the nicest people in the world do you get any random birthday text from from that group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's They've great. all stayed in touch. They like kept uh, in contact with Hans and I as we've had kids, and they pop in and say hello from time to time. And a lot of them are still living in Alaska on and off. This girl Grace is lives on a boat in Alaska. Um, another one is like rowing across the Atlantic right now. Wow, I know. They're just like yeah, they're amazing, and I've totally kept in touch with all of them. Wow, I, I can't even imagine that lifestyle. I mean, it would be it would be a blast. <laughs> yeah, but holy cow, for yeah. I, I would have a hard time not having like a, a home base. That's you know that's how I I do. Yeah, they were they were younger when they were coming, right? They were all in their early to mid twenties, and now they've almost all of them are in full time positions where they're like settled down right. and or married. But um, yeah, I think about when I used to travel around and live out of a backpack. It was great up until about the age of 26 when I didn't want to do that anymore. That's, that is, that's fair. That is fair. <laughs> uh, so normally I ask this question with husband and wife sitting side by side one another. And it's fun to ask the question, especially in person back and forth. But uh, you're just here by yourself. And why not? Um so just imagine yourself, uh, you get a phone call in the middle of the night, you pick it up and it's Hans and he's in jail. <laughs> what crime has he committed? Oh, wow. Hans? I mean, I can't imagine Hans doing anything bad. <laughs> yeah, that would be a hard one. He's in jail, huh? What's a jailable offense? Yeah, I mean, maybe he, you know, was skiing down the wrong slope that he wasn't supposed to be on and trespassing or... I mean, I guess it's in the middle of the night, though, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have happened, you know, I mean, if it was like daytime or something, it could be, yeah, like mountain bike riding where he was doing bike riding. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Trespassing. Yeah. 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 He's not a rule breaker from what I can see. Neither one of us are rule breakers. We're very boring. No. No, Speeding tickets not going to land you in jail. (laughs) That is fair. Um, I believe it was January of 2020. Oh, your son was born. And to grow up, I mean, I know that he's, you know, getting ready to, to turn four. And so it's very difficult to predict. But you have, obviously, husband and wife into wine. You also have a husband that is, or mom and dad are into wine, and a dad that is heavy into food as well. Would I mean, do you see at this point where, 
again, it's difficult. I yeah. Know. I mean, he's funny. I like, I worry about every harvest us scarring the children because we're gone so much. And we do make like a very big effort to be at home for dinner every single night to put the kids to bed right. and to make sure we're up and like with them in the morning. But yeah, he will. He's like, I'm going to be a winemaker when I grow up. <laughs> he's also going to be a million other things. But right. He's like very aware of what we do and like, you know, he walks the vineyards with me early in harvest and picking the grapes. Um, and his like, yeah, he's a standard near four-year-old where food is like the constant battle. So sometimes they're a hoover and sometimes they don't want to touch it. It's the yeah. most disgusting thing they've ever had in their life, even though they haven't tried it. Of course. Um, but he is, I, I try to be very active in the kitchen. Um with him of like baking and like helping slice so he's like super into that like we started baby steps it's like baking cookies or whatever muffins but now he's got like a you know he peels carrots and does all those things and so i'm trying to actively engage with that you know everything that you read says that's right. what engages kids to like good eating habits in general but He's not, um, you know, he'll, he'll declare, he's like, I like spicy things now that I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Do you though? <laughs> Let's try some spice. In <laughs> but he's, yeah, he's not like, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't really understand like cooking and wine, but he knows that's right. what mom and dad do. Right. Um, and because mom and dad do it, it seems like a cool thing. Yeah. No, it's, it's adorable when they see what mom and dad do and yeah. they're like, I want to do what you do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It, it is amazing. Oh, you know, I do, you know, like iPhone design work and my daughter, you know, early on, it, it's so funny. I got her this iPad app called Procreate and, you know, it's, you know, got an Apple pencil and she's able to draw and sketch and it wasn't, I got it when she was, I don't know, seven or eight. And it wasn't until she was like 12 or 13 where she was like, oh, look at this. Oh, I can do this. Cool. And now Procreate has uh, another app called uh, Procreate Dreams, which is animation. Oh, wow. So we're trying to, you know, get that animation part in there. And then like with my design work for iPhone apps, I'm asking her, well, what do you think of this? Yeah. And she's like, oh, it's bland. <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. That's a great conversation. Yeah. What would you do to yeah. change it up? Yeah, so, for sure. Well, I would do this or I would do this. That's really cool. It is really cool. Yeah. And, you know, I, I appreciate what you're doing, you know, fostering, getting in the kitchen and just who knows how long it's going to take for yeah. that, like to spark to go poof. Yeah. But when that spark happens, I got to tell you. It's going to be rad. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. It's <laughs> so amazing. It's every like step. Sees, it's just amazing, right? Children's development just blows my mind. I, yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, I am incredibly fortunate having a 15-year-old daughter that she's not biting my head off. Yeah. No, but it's, it's... Well, that speaks to you. I hope. I hope. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it it is amazing. Yeah, it really is. The The Oregon wine community... Absolutely amazing. If you could pick one story, and I know this is difficult, that really stands out to you of how the Oregon wine community kind of reached out, gave you a big old hug and said, you know, yep, yeah, we'll help you out. Um, 
like not specifically to me uh per se but you know there's a lot of things about this community that are amazing and wonderful um and there's like two very clear so i am part of um like a group of female winemakers and assistant winemakers and we have an email thread and it's the open platform to ask any question you can possibly ask of right. this is what i'm experiencing or or other random things like who are you using for x y and z for packet etc right. it is just this very like free-flowing group of women um being very supportive of each other and they're like no silly questions right, right. um so I think that's really amazing it that is. we're very supportive of each other. But then alternatively to that, um, as devastating as the 2020 vintage was mm -hmm. um, for everybody, the power of everybody uniting and calling and texting and like, what are you seeing? How are you dealing with this? Like, it was such a tumultuous time. Um, and because of Jackson Family's resources, I had labs constantly running all of my grapes and looking to see what numbers were. And those were like, that's not available to the larger community. ETS was completely backlogged. Right. People were sending to Washington, Canada, Colorado. So to just field so many phone calls of like, you have vineyards literally in every one of the sub AVAs. What is it that you're seeing? And not to like call out problem vineyards or anything right, but right, just right. to say like this is my reality and maybe this will give you something to like make decisions with what you guys have to deal with there was so much back and forth and it was like it broke me to not bring in our fruit from all yeah. of our growers it yeah. broke lynn and i but it was also like very helpful to talk to those growers because like a lot of those are their own producers too so right um in what was a really, really terrible time, it felt like the community helped each other to make some pretty, like, big decisions. I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine. So less embracing, but more, you know, I mean, it was just like, it's just, I think about my time in Napa where everything was like a big secret all the time and nobody wanted to talk about any of those big troublesome. I mean, Red Blotch, nobody wanted to talk about Red Blotch in their vineyard. It was a big no-no topic. Wow. Um, but you know what makes a lot more sense is to talk about it and like know that we all have a problem and what can we right. do to well but yeah and check just yourself. life in general yeah right i don't know uh, i'm a big fan of Brene brown and to hold on to all that shame yeah is so difficult you know yeah. so shame as an industry or shame as an individual mm -hmm. being able to get out talk about it connect with other people mm -hmm. it's it's an amazing a uh, human thing to do. Yeah. And just, I mean, I don't know, you know, I, this industry up here is just so wonderful um, and collaborative and like, just like, could you think of any other wine community that can put on something like OPC and like actually all like each other? <laughs> Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I love yeah. it. I love it so much up here. I love the camaraderie. Yeah. I have a, uh, a book on order that I ordered at the beginning of the year that I'm wanting to dive into. It's probably Ooh. 1,500 pages long, but it's Napa Valley then and now. Oh, wow. And I can't wait to dive into that. Yeah. Because I would love to know more about that wine community, mm -hmm. what it was like and what it is now. Yeah. And, uh, 
just there, there's so much history there as well. And just like, uh, I'm, I'm a big sucker for stories anyway. So anyway. Oh, I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, just even when I started at Cape Red, they would tell us the story about them purchasing that property. I mean, it was crazy. It was like something absurd, like $2,000. I mean, it was if, you know, he was in right. Oakland with a car repair shop. I mean, just times have changed. Yeah, it, it is. It is. <laughs> and holy cow, if you dive into the Mondavi family story. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. even that is yeah. fascinating. All I mean, just so many of those old originating wineries are just, uh, we lived on the Spotswood property for a while there. And that whole story, I mean, just, just it's wild. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I have some rapid fire questions. Okay. We'll do the reveal on the wine wine and I'll get you out of here. Okay. All right. Uh, favorite artist to listen to during harvest? Ooh, during harvest. I don't have like a favorite. So if I'm here by myself, yes, um, I listen to the Decemberists quite a bit. Okay, but, yeah, that's my go-to when I'm here by myself. Very nice. Uh, your favorite indulgent food that Hans makes for you? I just—it's not like so much indulgent, but like really nice sit on steak with like a chimichurri, chimichurri sauce mm. on it, or like lamb chops. Okay, yeah. That sounds yummy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's indulgent. <laughs> it's, it sounds pretty good to me. If you could choose a superpower, what would it be? Oh, superpower. Like superpower, like I could control the weather? That could be, yeah. That could be a superpower. I always was like kind of a sucker for the, the um, storm, you know? The, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That would be kind of cool. That would be very cool. <laughs> uh your harvest notes are they digital or handwritten handwritten okay yeah i'm still i we've talked about digitizing but um we have i have an enormous amount of notebooks i can only imagine all right so i digitize all of the wine related stuff though okay. so hand like handwrite notes and digitize everything else going down a small little rabbit hole all your notebooks, are they like soft bound? Are they hard bound? Is it a moleskin? What? They're soft bound, just those like um, five star whatever, okay, okay, okay. you know. That you get big. at the beginning of every school year? Uh-huh. Okay. We all have them. That's what we all bring to the table for tasting. We okay. all have a different color. That's awesome. Are there stickers to go on the cover? No stickers to go on the cover. Oh, <laughs> I know. Oh. This is something we can think about in the future. There you go. Decorating. Yes. <laughs> uh, last book you read it could also you know it could be physical it could be audible or like even like a podcast oh the last book I read um, I'm gonna get the title of this wrong but I wanna say it's like called Tiny Beautiful Creatures and I'm pretty sure that's the wrong title but it's um about this octopus in an aquarium okay. and like how smart octopus are oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was just it was such an awesome, remark, remarkably bright creatures. I think that's what it's called. They are. They are. Um, and it was amazing. I, I highly recommend it. I will definitely check that out. I, I assume that you haven't introduced your son to like YouTube videos or anything yet, have you? We desperately try not to. Okay. If, so just. I'll <laughs> just say that we have it. <laughs> there is um, a creator. His name is Mark Rober. He does some amazing scientific educational fun stuff oh cool and his latest video was he created an obstacle course for a pet octopus whoa 
And the, the reason that he did it, he bought the octopus and he found out where the octopus, uh, grew up, you know, from the ocean and whatnot. And he wanted to make sure that the octopus would survive out into the wild. And so he built this obstacle course and it's a crazy obstacle course to see this. That's awesome. Octopus to go through this maze to get all the shrimp. And Whoa, so like that's a, so cool. a, to get the actual shrimp, you know, there is a, like a screw on, you know, a big old screw on, on the actual, where the shrimp were and the octopus just whoosh, twists it off and goes right in and that's has amazing. a feast. This book, I mean, obviously it's fiction is like, um, was octopus that's in his little pen or whatever that has figured out how to get out of it. And, um, there's a cleaning woman and they like create a bond and, Aww. and like, she realizes that he gets out every night and they have this whole thing. Anyway, I don't want to spoil the story, but it's, it was a really wonderful book. I will have to check that out. It's, you know, and in that video, Mark Rober says how octopuses always get out. Yeah. And they're, well, and they're like memory is like really long. It's incredible. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. Who knew? Yeah, yeah, but, but, it's fun. <laughs> so there's a good YouTube okay. thing for your four-year-old. That's good to know. Yeah, he he does some very fun things. Awesome. Uh, shall I reveal the Yeah, the please do. Okay. Uh, so again, you know, I try to create some sort of connection. And, uh, you know. Aw, it is a Chardonnay. I thought it might be. Well, this is wonderful. Good job, Ben. Yes. You know, so <laughs> I, you know, something from Bethel Heights, uh, you know. To bring back a little bit of memory. That's wonderful. Thank you. You're That's welcome. Great job. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time today. Thank I you. I really appreciate it. Um, great. Do you have any questions or anything for me before we go? Uh, no, no, not off the, not okay. off the top of my head. All right. Well, that's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much and, uh, cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this flavorful voyage through the world of wine on the Wine Notes podcast. I've been your host and guide, AJ Weinzel, and it's been an absolute pleasure sharing these captivating stories with you. But alas, like the last sip of a fine vintage, our time together must dish. But don't fret, my wine-loving friends. The cellar doors of the Wine Notes podcast will always remain open, waiting for you to return and explore new conversations, stories, and musings from the captivating people behind the magical world of wine. Before you go, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and don't forget to leave a sparkling five-star review to help spread the word. Until our glasses clink again, remember to savor life's moments and let the spirit of wine and camaraderie linger on your palate. Cheers, and as always, may your wine glass be full, your heart be light, and your journey be delight. Thank you again.